Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we're not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Hello and welcome to another episode. Thank you, Kate. (laughs) Oh, that wasn't to me. I mean, it was also to our listeners, but I am... I mean, we couldn't do it without you, so I'm glad you're here. That is so true. Dori. I mean, same. That's true. Yeah. Although we might... I mean, you never know. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, if I'm ever having the flu. Oh, the flu. You might have to do this without me. That reminds me. Everyone should get a flu shot. I, you know where I get my flu shot? This is the most um, me thing I think Costco? I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Costco has flu shots. Nailed it. Costco has flu shots. Anyway, now that we've got that out of the way, how, how have you been, my friend? You know, I have been a little bit better. That's exciting, exciting news. Yeah, I haven't knocked on knock on wood. Just knocked on tap some on wood. Tap. Um, I haven't puked in a, in a week. 
happy anniversary. Thank you. I mean, I'm I'm still not feeling like 100%, yeah. but I'm feeling a lot better. That's so exciting. So I am, you know, I think I said last week that it felt like maybe the worst was over. And I think the worst might be over. I know. I'm going to send a message to the universe. I know. I was really expecting it to be horrible for another few weeks. And I'm like, okay. Good. That's such a good feeling. Like, this, do you, Are you starting to kind of... I don't think I don't want to say be able to enjoy it, but like actually take a minute to be like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. Yeah. Well, we had our first appointment yesterday with our real OB, <laughs> like the the woman who will actually be delivering yeah. my child. Um, and they did an ultrasound before we saw her. And that was like, oh, yeah, this is happening. Right, there's a little person. And now there. he's starting to look like an actual fetus like you can see his head and you can see where his like little arms are gonna be and it's like whoa is he playing a guitar yeah so it is starting to feel more real and i am starting to be able to spend a little bit more time outside of the house i mean like yesterday at the ob they were they ran over an hour behind oh gosh so i was there for two and a half hours oh gosh gosh gosh, gosh. um and i did bring a yogurt and some saltines with me and by the end, I was definitely hungry, but I didn't feel like I had to puke. So that was like real progress. Good. Yeah. And I'm hoping, I, I think I might try to go back to the gym this week. Ooh. What would I you do? Know. Walk on the treadmill? I would walk on the treadmill. I might do some very slow, leisurely laps in the pool. Swimming while pregnant is so delicious. It, sound, it sounds amazing. Like you're just sort of buoyant. Yeah. So when you get, as you get bigger, it's a really comfortable place to mm. be in the pool. We're very lucky that we live in California where, you know, Southern California where pools are readily available year round. That is true. I mean, this pool is an indoor pool. Okay. Got um, but yeah, I need, you know, I was thinking I need a, I need a good friend with a pool. Oh, well, I'll move and yeah. Could you move and build a pool? <laughs> Get on that, <laughs> please. Working very quickly on that. I can do that for you very uh, soon. Great. No, I'm never moving. Um, how are you doing? Well, look, I saw Beyonce and Jay Z this mm. weekend, so I'd say I am doing amazing. That's great. That was it. Was really really fun. I will say, Dory, my sleep and disorganization are at an all time high, and I'm having a hard time with it mm. all. So, I I'm planning to go home this afternoon and focus on cleaning up. Um, I will share that my husband, who is home for a few weeks, we've mentioned that he's traveling a lot for work, so he's home right now. And this morning, he was like, "Excuse me, um, do you think you could clean up?" your stuff in the bathroom <laughs> we have we have a bathroom that he and i share we have one sink and listeners my things were spread like lava coming from a volcano like there's our sink and then just there's just stuff all around one side of the sink and then all over like the tub area and i mean it's there's tums there's face cream there's serums there's oils there's salts there's just Contacts. I mean, it's just an endless stream of product. And then on the other side of the sink is one bottle of like generic CVS brand face wash that belongs to my husband. So does he have stuff that he would like to put out or he's just sort of bothered by the encroachment of all of your products? I like heard him in there today. I heard him and he was like, I can't, there's no room for anything. Like he was just talking to himself. <laughs> 
I have, I'm sorry, kind of, but that is really funny. Oh, it's adorable. <laughs> I have one because he hasn't been home that much. I have just right. let my stuff kind of spread everywhere. Yeah. Two, I do need to do a product a, reorganization, yeah. purge, giveaway, yeah. donate situation. So it, it was a good, it was a friendly reminder that I have too many things. Mm-hmm. I don't need a lot of things. Um, so anyway, I smell an intention coming. toward the end of this episode um but yeah so i i just have i feel like i'm constantly in this like battle to get to sleep and have like better practices are the sleep and disorganization issues part of the same issue or are they separate would you say i would say my mind is a very disorganized place Mm. i mean for example two nights ago dory i put my phone plugged it in the kitchen got in bed read Maisie dobbs and was asleep by 10 30 it was great. But last night I came home, I brought my phone into the bedroom. I played a little bit of my favorite game, Helix Jump. I went down deep wormholes on Instagram. You know, then I'm hopping over to the news. It's the phone. The phone is a curse. Listeners, I'm sure you're sick of me talking about my same shit every day, but I will say what's really hard is like it's so easy to identify the things that are hard for us. It's so much harder to actually like change it mm-hmm. so Tori I don't know I'm struggling with that that's but, a tough one I mean yeah you know what you have to do so this therapy session for me has now <laughs> come to a conclusion should we take a break Dory? let's take a quick break hey there it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass, but this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now they dissect issues women face in the U.S., and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college, so this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass, because this is the year you can really learn from the best to Become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden 
or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah. Get into it. Do you want to tell me why? (laughs) No, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, Oh God, like get this off of me. No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about Quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic 
whether it's winter or, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. So Kate, we wanted to talk about friendship today. We did. You know, my best friend has been visiting and it's just been really meaningful to spend time with her. And that coincided with a voicemail we received from a listener. So I thought I would play that and maybe we could answer their question and also kind of talk about our own experiences with friendship as self-care. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So here's what our listener had to say. Hi, Kate and Dory. I am calling from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I just want to say thanks so much for your podcast. I absolutely love it, and I love that you guys touch on clean beauty and sustainable fashion. Those are two things that I'm really passionate about. Um, My question is that I'd love to hear about your guys' friendships in your mid-20s. I'm 26. I live in the Midwest, and I feel like my friend group is kind of disintegrating. (laughs) Um, I used to have a really great group of girlfriends, and now it just feels like we're not very close anymore. We are just all so busy, and obviously that is part of life, and I'm guilty of it too. But I was just wondering, like, what are your tips for staying connected and keeping that friendship alive. Um, It's really important to me that these women are in my life for a very long time, and I just want to make sure that I don't let our friendships slide. Um, I just think that they're amazing, and I would love any of your advice on whether or not you guys went through this in your mid-20s and um, what we should do uh, to keep our friendships together. Obviously, marriage and babies, that, that all, um, you know, definitely takes priority. But, yeah, I'd just love to hear your thoughts. All right. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Dory. Hmm. Interesting. Intriguing, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Do you have thoughts about her specific question? About how to keep those friendships strong as people start going through life changes? Yeah. And also like what, what were your friendships like in your mid twenties? Well, it's interesting. I have two kind of core groups of friends, my high school or some of them I met in middle school group and then my college group. And then I have friends that I've made in my twenties. 
um, through different work experiences or through performing comedy and then um, friends that I've made in my 30s. So I think I do understand how it can be very hard to maintain the closeness that you maybe felt when your friendships first originated. Yeah. Um, and it's normal. And I think, I think finding ways to express what you just expressed to us, express to your friends, even if you just say, you know what, I'm, I know we're all busy and life is changing, but I want you to know that you mean a lot to me and you will always mean a lot to me, even if we don't talk every day, you know, friendships do change and your ability to, you know, spend time together changes. Um, and also your needs as a friend change and you make different friends and you grow and change as people. But I think finding ways to come back to each other, you know, I'm in a group text with my best friends from high school Oh, just all day. You know, we don't talk every day, but we just always, you know, someone will check in and we'll chat and we'll share pictures of kids and we'll, you know, and we'll, we'll share a funny story and then we might not talk to each other for a month and then something will pop up. And I think that can be really, um, I mean, that's a silly way to keep in touch, but it's easy. But I think one thing, you know, be understanding both of yourself and other friends that, you know, people might not be able to always show up, but to know the difference between like someone who is a neglectful friend or you neglecting friendships and someone who is just like busy with and life is just changing. I've had a couple of friendships that I've let slide and, and, um, recently this month I've reached out to some of the people and it's felt really good just to say like, Hey, I know I let this, I know I let our friendship slide, but you're still really important to me. And I would love to make an effort on your, like I will come to wherever you are. I'll do whatever you need, you know, extending yourself. If you feel like things are disintegrating yeah. and you might be playing a part in that. How about you? What were your friendships like in your twenties? And what are those, like, are there friendships that you've had that changed during that time? Well, I have never been a big group friendship person. Oh, you're a one-on-oneer? I'm more of a one-on-oneer or a one-on-twoer. Oh. I've had a lot of threesome. I mean, this sounds kind of sexual, but it is not meant to be. Um, I've had a lot of like threesome groups. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't know exactly, like I can't totally like psychoanalyze why that is i think i i have this like aversion to clicks and even though like i want to be included i get this i also as soon as i'm included i'm like it feels feels (laughs) gross exactly and i and i hate i hate when people feel excluded i do too i get i I'm so sensitive to that. Yeah. Yeah. And like my stance on things, like if it's a party or like my sense is always like bring the person, like invite the more, the merrier. And when people are exclusionary, that just like really bothers me. And so I think that is why I have kind of always had a, a, an, an aversion to being part of a click. Um, even though I have been part of clicks, part, part of, I've been part of a clique in my past, sure, but I've always like, like left (laughs) sometimes somewhat dramatically. Um, so that's just me. So, so this idea of having like, when you were talking about texting your group of friends from high school, I was like, I wouldn't know what that is like. 
fascinating. Like I have, I still have friends from high school, Mm -hmm. but they're not friends with each other. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and so you have a group of friends from college. I have two best, my two best Uh friends, Mark and Iharika. Um, but again, it's like a threesome. Oh, that's intriguing. Um, and I have other friends from college, but those are like my, my core still like ride or die people. Um, and then I think I also like, I make friends pretty easily. And so everywhere I've worked and I've worked a lot of places and I've gone to, you know, I went to college, I went to two different graduate schools. Like I've lived in New York, I've lived in LA, I lived in Philadelphia. Like I have friends in a lot of places. Um, and I like having a lot of different friends and I feel like I, like I get different things out of them and they get different things out of me. Um, but yeah, this idea of having like a core group of friends and feeling stressed about the, the group of friends not being friends, that is, that is an alien feeling to me. Stressed about the group of friends like disintegrating? Yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. I've never had that. Um, and so I like, I think your advice sounds great, but I'm also like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, and so like, I didn't have bridesmaids. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm just more of like a, I, but you know, I had a lot of people at my wedding. You have a ton of friends. Like I have a lot of friends, but I don't have that group. Exactly. Um, this is now turned into like a deep therapy session. No, but everyone, everyone does friendship differently. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny as you're talking, I'm thinking about one of my best friends and they, they're such, she's an amazing person and, uh, she has groups. She's like a friend, like she loves relationships and having friends and she's an amazing friend, but she also has friends wherever she goes. And so she has like groups, but then also a lot of one-on-ones Yeah, and it's just like, she could be a professional friend maker. She's just a genuine, good, caring person who connects with other human beings. Yeah. And Lizzie, if you're listening, (laughs) I'm talking about you and I love you. Uh... Um, It's just so funny because, you know, thinking about, I'm just thinking of her and like, how would she even pick you know, like a, she has just so many friends yeah. and they all mean a lot to her. It's yeah. not, it's not like casual. Yeah. She's a very committed friend person. Yeah. I also like, I have had kind of intense one-on-one friendships yeah. and I had one that like went bad and it was a, it was a very traumatic experience for me. Do you, are you more now um, cl- like closed off when you connect with people? I think the circumstances of that friendship are not replicable because we became friends in our mid twenties. Interesting. And we're neither, neither of us was married. Neither of us had kids. Like it, it was a different time yeah. and we were able to spend time together and we lived together. And, oh my gosh. Okay. You know? And so like we were able to connect in a way that isn't, that would be impossible for me now. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I think I learned some stuff from that friendship that I, I'm more, I'm more attuned to like the red flags of that relationship (laughs) because it was a relationship, um, that 
I'm now like, okay, I need to be like, I need to look out for these things. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing the the caller said that I thought was interesting was like, I know babies and partners are more important. And I was kind of like, mm, are they? <laughs> like, <laughs> I would say friendships, as, I mean, maybe it's just for me, but are on par with my, like yeah. my best friend who was just visiting. And I've, I've said this to her, but like, I feel like she's also my soulmate. Mm-hmm. Like when we met, when we met, we were, it was kind of dorky, but then we drove five hours in a car together and it was literally like I fell in love with her in a platonic way. Um, and I also feel like my husband is my soulmate, but more like yeah. my soul partner. But yeah. my, you know, I, I, f- I feel very deeply about my friendships. Like they are as, in, they are equally as important yeah. to me as, um, you know, my husband or my kids. I mean, okay, but maybe, I, maybe not as much. But, but very I do close. think, like, as we get older, our expectations for friendship they they change. Yes. Um, and I think sometimes part of the problem is when people start to have different expectations for the friendship. Yeah, that's really hard. And and so I I do think verbalizing what your mm-hmm. expectations are in a non if it's possible in a non-judgmental way like knowing that people may not always be able to meet your expectations yeah. here's what you shouldn't do okay you shouldn't keep a running list of things that your friend of, of things that your friend has done to you for like two years and then send them a really long mean email about it I feel like you're speaking from personal experience. (laughs) I would, that would flip me out. It's the most like destabilizing thing because then you have to like reevaluate everything about your relationship from the last. And you're like, Oh, this thing that you're now bringing up deeply offended you at the time, but you never said anything. Communicating in the moment is so crucial, right? As for Mm -hmm. any relationship. Yeah. No, I think you have to communicate your needs. And if your friends aren't meeting your needs, it doesn't mean they can't, you can't stop having a relationship with them, but you might need to forge, forge new friendships. Yeah. And I think also what I was going to say too, before I got like completely sidetracked with my own shit, um, (laughs) (laughs) is that like, this might be the time where you do start forming more like one-on-one relationships and you know, you don't always have to hang out in a group. That's definitely true. Also, like it gets to be really hard to hang out in a group because people's schedules are complicated and, you know, it's just it, it's more complicated. The other thing I think you could do is is if this group is having a harder time connecting, plan one thing a year that you all do together. Ooh. For example, I am I have had on my calendar for about eight months a trip to Palm Springs with my some of my girlfriends from college. Oh. And that's happening in January for one of their birthdays. It's been in my calendar, I think, for almost a It'll be a year by the time it happens because I have some good planners in my group of friends. And, you know, even if it's around a birthday or a, a celebration of some sorts, getting together in that way, even if it's just once a year, is so awesome. That's and so nice. It's really, really fun. The other thing that this voicemail made me think of is, is that you hopefully will keep making new friends. Mm-hmm. And that's been really powerful to me is the friendships I've made in my thirties. Yeah. Which I didn't, I kind of thought like my friends, I already have my friends. I won't make any yeah. new ones. And I've made really close friendships um, as I get older. And so you will, it, it, we became friends in our thirties. Yes. 
we haven't been, we haven't known each other for decades. And I think that, you know, the, the, there are so many people out there, um, like to connect with, you know, I recently reconnected with my first best friend. We lived across the street from each other, like as little kids. Like I think her family moved in when we were probably like two or three. And when was the last time you spoke to to this person? I mean, a decades. We haven't seen each other, I think, in probably 30 years. Wow. Yeah. And has it been a positive experience? Oh, it's been so nice. Her parents, both of her parents are now dead. Um, And it was nice to just like hear from her and hear what she's been up to. Yeah. um, yeah, she found me on Instagram and that's so cool. it was really nice. And she was like going through her mom's stuff and oh. found old pictures of us. And it was just really sweet. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and you know, it brought back some like really nice memory. Like we were best friends as kids. Yeah. Um, and then my parents let me, she moved to California. This is partly why we lost touch because when we were like six, she moved to California um, but then when I was eight, my parents let me go by myself to California to visit her. Oh, the eighties were crazy. I mean, can you imagine sending Eleanor? <laughs> no, my kids like had like really, um, actively petitioned to be able allowed to walk down the street alone. And I like peeked from the door and let them walk kind of down the end. I mean, they put me on back. a plane across know, the country yes, time and I was changed. gone for two weeks. That's incredible. Yeah. They must have trusted those parents. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, but, um, yeah, it's a different time. I don't think that would happen now, <laughs> but maybe it should. Maybe it should. Um, if anyone wants, wants me to send them my kids for two weeks, <laughs> holler, <laughs> holler at me. Um, how is, has friendship been a part of self care for you? Do you think about it in that way? You know, until you brought it up, I hadn't really thought about it specifically in that way. Um, I will say one of the more like meaningful and powerful friendships of my adulthood has been with my sister. Oh, I'm going to cry. Oh, I'm going to cry. And that's awesome. That is something that I really value. And because you guys are eight years apart. We're seven years apart. And so... You know, she was a little kid Yeah, when I was growing up and even until like my late 20s, <laughs> you know, yeah. she was like still in college or, you know, it's just like we were in different places. Um, and so that's been that's been really nice. And it does make me sad that we don't live closer to each other. I bet. But you can listen to her on this podcast. Yes. The Karen Vladek episode. Yeah. That's really, that is really cool. I look at my daughters and I'm, and they're such good, they're so close yeah. slash they torment each other, but, but they're going to be best friends. I think, I suspect they will always be there for each other. Yes. And that is very moving for me. Yes. They fully will. I hope so. Dear God. Yeah. Um, I, what about you? Friendship as self-care. I think it's really in, I think it's really important. And it's something that I have, I think I've mentioned this, have felt a lot of sadness that it's, I have something I've let go to the wayside a bit since Mm -hmm. having children. And I am trying to really evaluate, like, if I feel like a friendship has kind of suffered, um, like, or been neglected, what part did I have in that? And how can I, instead of just normally what I would do is like, be like, oh, I'm too scared to reach out to that person. They're probably mad at me. I fucked this up. Like, I'm never going to speak of it again and just live in this hole. And instead, I've tried to like, to reach out 
and you know, I'm just be like, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. I have like no, my brain doesn't work. What has the response to that been? Always lovely. Oh, good. And when people do it to me, I'm always so happy. Yeah. And if someone was like, you know what? (laughs) Sorry. I don't like you weren't a good friend or whatever. And I've moved on or I don't want to do this. That would, it would destroy me because I'm a very sensitive person, but I think I would also really understand. Yeah. And you know, maintaining friendships is work and I do think you have to put the effort in and I've I have felt a lot of shame that I haven't always done the best job at that honestly I mean yeah. and that's been hard I just think about that a lot um but you know like just having my my best friend visiting recently like it was sweet so many laughs and it was so much fun and you know I actually, it was really, it was really funny. I think my daughters were jealous that I was spending so much time with her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I think they wanted to spend time with her or me. Like they, they were having a hard time, like just kind of like having me focus on somebody else. But what I hope is that I am modeling that friendships are are important. Yes. And, and, and and that, that is that these relationships are valuable and really do make, you know, it was fun just getting out to be with somebody who's known me forever, who can make fun of me and I can make fun of them in a loving way, who t- my best friend totally gets all my idiosyncrasies. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we went to the Beyonce concert, I was like compulsively drinking water. I posted this on Instagram and I was like, people must think I am high. <laughs> I am not. I was completely sober, but I had to hydrate so intensely at the Beyonce concert because I have a fear of not having enough water. And then I also have a fear of not of peeing. I like, I have to pee all the time, but like she gets me, yeah. she totally gets me and she still likes me, which is a miracle. So, um, it's very gratifying to be seen and loved by friends and it's a different relationship than I have with my husband and that yes. I have with my family. And I'm so grateful for my friends that I've had since I was in sixth grade to the f- new friends that I'm making now, you know, newer than you, you and I have been friends for like five years, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and, but like, there, I also think like there is such a great, like some of my mom's best friends were my brother's friend's mothers. Yes. And she didn't meet them until my brother was in seventh grade. And so I always think about that, that my mom, and she had all these really wonderful, strong friendships that these women are still reach out to me and are very lovely to me that she made as an adult. So yeah. I think about them a lot. And like my mom, some of her best friends and like the friends who really like cared for her and loved her and still connect with me. Like she didn't meet until she was in her forties, you know, like there are so many amazing friendships to be had, Yeah, Aww. you know, and you might one day just start a podcast with, with one of them, with a new friend, with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> we do and you know it's interesting we get a lot of like we get a lot of people who comment on our friendship yeah. which i think is really interesting mm-hmm. I mean, people people like it well I it mean, is a great friendship it is but it's interesting you're only hearing us talk on a podcast yes yes but i i do think friendships like seeing friendships modeled is really important i i agree and i also think that because we do a podcast where we have to be really vulnerable Probably. i think that has made us become closer friends yes than we ever would have you, off, you do accept my many many quirks okay <laughs> they're what make you you oh god <laughs> um i mean same like That's let's fair. be honest That's fair. um so yeah. So I, I, I do think sometimes 
people assume we've been friends for like 20 years. No. Um, but we have not. No, we're adult friends. Yeah, we're adult friends. So that should, you know, give people some hope, hopefully. Your adult friends are out there, too. Your adult friends are out there, too. Yeah. And, you know, I do think it is harder to make friends as an adult, but it is possible. And it's gratifying. So listener yes. in your 20s, you know what? Do what you can to hold on their friends, those friendships, as long as they serve you. Yes. And if they don't serve you, you know, you can gently release them. Totally. Um, but more friends are out there. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Our guest today is Holly Burns. Holly, welcome to Forever 35. Thank you. Um, Holly, I would like to just read a little bio to introduce you to our listeners. Holly is a content strategist at Instagram, where she manages a team that works on products like Instagram Stories, Direct Live, and IGTV. Prior to that, she was a content strategist at Facebook, a writer at Gowalla, and a copywriter and social media manager at Travelocity, and has had work published in Ladies Home Journal and Travel and Leisure. She's also the creator of the popular blog, Nothing But Bonfires, which she retired in 2014. And in 2017, when her second child was just five months old, Holly was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she went through chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation, and is currently very excitedly cancer-free, which is so awesome. Um, Holly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> we are very excited to have us. Can you just tell us how old are your, you have two children, is that right? Yes, that's that's right. Um, I have a son, Hugo, who is five. He just turned five. Um, he started kindergarten this year. And then I have a daughter, Cecilia, who is 16 months today. I never know when you stop counting them in months. <laughs> like, yeah. She's 393 months. She's 16 months old. So she's, she's one. She's one and a half. <laughs> and Holly, how old were you when you were diagnosed with breast cancer? I was diagnosed when I was 37, um, which was, yeah, which was funny because I, I was diagnosed when my second child, Cecilia, was five months old. So I had just, um, you know, just gone through this pregnancy where all I had heard being pregnant at 36 was, oh my God, you're so old. It's a geriatric pregnancy. You know, (laughs) so I have to say nothing makes you feel younger than, than being diagnosed with cancer at at 37 because suddenly it was like, oh, you're so young. Oh, this is so unusual. You know, you you kind of go from like your advanced maternal age to like, wow, this is so young. So um, that was, that was kind of strange. (laughs) How were you diagnosed? Is it something that you discovered yourself or how did that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was breastfeeding Cecilia. So, you know, when you're, you're breastfeeding, you're kind of touching your own boobs all the time. Yes. Um, I remember. (laughs) And thank goodness. Right. So I had found this lump. Um, I had kind of just thought it was nothing. And I have to say, I have no history of cancer in my family, not only no history of breast cancer, but like nobody has had cancer in my family. Um, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any of the, the risk factors. I'm not um, BRCA positive, anything. I, I kind of joke to people that the only risk factor I had for having breast cancer was having breasts. Like literally there was nothing else. And, you know, I, I live a fairly healthy lifestyle. I, you know, I, I eat well and I exercise and I don't smoke and I live in San Francisco, so I eat like an obscene amount of kale. So I was just like, you know, it wasn't something that I had really been expecting to happen to me. So um, I was breastfeeding. I found this strange lump. Um, I mean, it's, it, it literally is sort of the cliche of, of how people get diagnosed. You know, I found a lump um, and I thought, you know, I thought it was nothing. I had actually just had mastitis 
Mm. Um, cause you know, with breastfeeding. Um, and so I kind of thought, oh yeah, it's nothing. I had my husband feel it and eh, it's nothing. Luckily I had a doctor's appointment, just a random doctor's appointment, um, two weeks later. And so I showed it to my doctor, um, and she, she felt it and she also thought that it probably was nothing, but she said, and you know, I really think this saved my life. She said, you know, we don't really mess around with lumps and boobs. Why don't we have you go get an ultrasound? So obviously I was like, oh, I've got to go do this ultrasound. Oh, it's going to take up my whole morning, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and I waited probably a week before I, before I booked it. And then I went and I thought it was going to be this routine thing, you know, like a cyst or a fibroadenoma or something. But there was this very clear moment where I was like, you know, lying back on the ultrasound table um, the the uh, ultrasound tech was was looking at the lump, and I could sort of sense the mood in the room change. Like it, 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 I just sort of could tell she she had found something. You know, mm-hmm. they don't really tell you anything because they can't. But she then called the radiologist in. The radiologist came in, and it, it, all of a sudden it got very serious. Um, and, and, I, and I sort of I intellectually knew this, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I just sort of. I, I had just imagined that nothing bad could ever happen to me. So on the one hand, you know, I've got this sort of serious mood in the room. On the other hand, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm 37. I just had a baby. There's no way this can be anything bad. And I kind of carried that with me, like, all the way through. You know, it went from ultrasound to, oh, you've got to have a mammogram. Oh, you've got to have another mammogram. Oh, you've got to have a biopsy. This was all on the same day. And it kind of didn't really ring any alarm bells with me. And then I, it didn't really ring any alarm bells with me until I was in the biopsy that afternoon. And it kind of, I think I said to the radiologist, oh, but, it, you know, it's nothing bad, is it? And fully expecting her to say, no, no, it's probably a cyst or something. And she said, well, I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm very concerned. And <laughs> you don't want to have a doctor oh. tell you that you're very concerned. I also, you know, I wanted to know the, the, the numbers of it. I said, okay, what percentage? Like, how concerned are you? And she said, okay, I'm 60%. I'm 60% concerned that it's breast cancer 40 percent that it isn't i actually think now she was probably like a hundred percent and she was just trying to be nice because um it yeah it kind of escalated very quickly from there um kind of a terrible thing that that happened was they you know they made me make this appointment to come back in for the results of the biopsy and this was monday everything happened they said you know come back in on thursday at this point i didn't understand the severity and i was like oh you know i'm sorry i can't i'm going wine tasting with my friend on thursday (laughs) in my mind that was completely fine and they very gently said oh you, you might you might want to cancel that <laughs> so um but then they said you know if it's if it's nothing we'll call you and we'll let you know and so wednesday i'm at home you know freaking out worrying so so scared to you know find out what's gonna happen and the phone rings and it's the doctor and i'm thinking oh my god thank goodness they're you know it's wednesday they're calling me they're telling me nothing's right and they they sort of no preamble they're like hello this is you know so and so just wanted to tell you your results are in it is cancer and i'm so unprepared for this because <laughs> i was thinking this was going to happen you know if it happened I was oh my god it was going to happen in you know the sanctity of a doctor's office with resources and it was you know at home i had both my kids home my husband was at work and it was just this like oh my god you know and they told me on the phone because actually it was so um they they wanted to get me in to see the surgeon as quickly as they could and she happened to have an opening the next day so that's why they didn't um that's why they called me and, and didn't wait till I um, came in the next day. But yeah, it was it was probably the biggest shock of my life. Just, you know, I think everybody thinks, oh, nothing's going to, you know, nothing bad's going to happen to me. And then it does happen to you. And I have to say, it was, oh, there was also this strange, there was like this weird relief where I thought like, oh, like this is the bad thing I've been waiting for my whole life. Like I'd had a very charmed existence up until that point and Mm. it was suddenly like oh okay like here it is here's the bad thing (laughs) like you've been waiting for the the shoe to drop almost right right exactly and there was kind of a strange relief in that 
Um, and it was it was almost when they told me, I kind of, it, I, you know, I'd been worrying about it so much over the last, you know, since the since the um, tests I'd had on that Monday, I'd been worrying about it for for three or four days. And when they told me, I kind of felt like, oh, okay, you know, th- th- we can do, we can deal with this. We can, you know, it was. I felt almost like I was probably, you know, the one in the eye of the storm where I was a kind of calm. And then, you know, I had to call my, you know, call my husband, told him to come home, call my parents, call my siblings, and friends, and everything. And they were all panicking and freaking out. But for me, I was like, oh. No, this is you know this is this is labelable and this is like you know something that we can deal with now. How how did you then go through the process? I mean, you know, you had surgery, you went through chemotherapy, you went through radiation. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you did during that experience to help yourself stay calm? You know, st- I mean, it's so. I, I imagine. I obviously don't know. I've never been through a, a cancer diagnosis myself, but I imagine it's very easy to start spiraling mentally, and uh, fear and all that stuff might take over. Were there self care practices that you kind of stuck with or f- discovered during that time to help you get through each each hour each day? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's, it was kind of funny. I was diagnosed on November first, and then I started chemo on November fifteenth. So I, I, I kind of joke that I was diagnosed right around all the time of the um, like Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday. So I did a lot of uh, it's kind of good and bad, but I did a lot of retail therapy around that time. Um, and I, a lot of it actually was was kind of, you know, it's this like, terrible shopping addiction that I that I that I developed. But a lot of it was related to switching up my um you know switching up like the products i used i had this this friend a couple of friends actually one friend is is really into green green beauty and green skincare and i had kind of always sort of not teased her for it but it had just been something that i wasn't really aware of or you know didn't really understand um and she said listen let me overhaul your whole skincare routine let me be that let me be the person that does that for you you just tell me you know what kind of products you use what you know what you need you need night cream do you need a moisturizer you need sun, sun, sunscreen um tell me you know like the smells you like and you know the brands you like and that kind of thing i'll put together a list for you and she did it was amazing and i had kind of you know that was sort of my first foray into this um she sent me this list i you know used all my discount codes because it was black friday and, and bought everything and then i had another friend who's um she's kind of this sort of big green beauty blogger and she i think she gets sent, sent things all the time and i had dm'd her on instagram with a question about something and she said listen i'm going to put together a box for you i'm going to send you a box of stuff so you you know you're using the right stuff and i was like ah she probably won't you know she's not not a super close friend but you know just somebody that i know and you know a week later this box came in the mail so i started getting really into the things that i put on my face and 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 realizing that you know I mean, who knows? I, I feel like I'm, I'm never going to know what caused this, but it, it, it helped me have some kind of control to, to right. start all over again with my, um, you know, with my skincare. Um, beyond that, um, I just, I think I did a lot of, um, <laughs> did a lot of therapy that kind of became my, my self-care. Um, and I, it's funny, actually, I hadn't, before I started listening to your podcast, I hadn't really heard of the concept of self-care and, and the first kind of time that I heard about it was um, I was at the doctor's office and one of the doctors there said to me, so, you know, so what are you doing for yourself? What do you, what do, you do for self-care? And I said, oh, what do you mean? And he said, oh, you know, like, you know, do you do yoga? Do you walk? Do you get massages? And I said, oh, no, 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 I have, I have little children, you know, <laughs> like, oh, that, that doesn't apply to me. I don't do that. You know, like, like I was a vegetarian and he had asked me how I like my steak cooked or something <laughs> like, oh, self-care is, that's not for me. Um, and then I started realizing, oh, you know, actually, this should be something that I do. So, um, yeah, I, I started um, 
going to therapy, um, doing doing acupuncture was was really really helpful for me. Um, I'd always been very skeptical of things like that. I I, I didn't realize that the first time my acupuncturist used the word chi, you know, your chi is blocked. I thought that was like a nonsense, like a like mojo or something like 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 a made up word. I didn't know it was a real thing. Um, <laughs> but I, I can hundred hundred percent tell when I don't do an acupuncture session i you know i I have been relying on that a lot um and yeah i think i mean don't get me wrong there have been a lot of sort of 3 a.m spiral moments um but but you know combination of acupuncture therapy buying lots of stuff to put on my face has has been really has been kind of kept me kept me sane um, you brought up a couple of friends and I wanted to touch on the, the topic of friendship while you're going through something like you went through. Um, how did your relationships with your friends change? How were you kind of relying on them, um, in ways that you hadn't, how did they surprise you? Um, and you know, I guess, how did they, did anyone disappoint you? That's a, that's a great question. Yeah. I think, um, it's, yeah, I felt very much in the in the sort of hours and days and months after my diagnosis, I, I kind of described it as being kind of like enveloped by love and like lifted up on this cloud. And I just felt so, I just felt so taken care of and protected. And my friends really, really stepped in, and, and my husband too, obviously. But I feel like that's sort of a different relationship. But my, you know, my 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 very close dear friends in San Francisco, it was like they had been waiting to like, you know been on like crisis alert and then like boom they stepped in i had one very good friend set up a meal train for me um another very good friend um posted on a a facebook group that she was in and asked if um you know if there was anyone else who had gone through this and 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 in that way was able to link me up with with other people that i could talk to that i that i texted and emailed and um kind of had sort of a support network that way um you know i had just just people came out of the woodwork and helped in such wonderful ways um i had like one former co-worker who i think he, he must have set up like a, a, a you know a sort of a, a scheduled flower delivery like every three weeks oh. without fail this i know I that's I know so nice yeah i know i don't know what his wife thought about this you know florist charge appearing on their credit card bill for this other woman every three weeks but <laughs> <laughs> um you know i had a friend that you know i was, I was trying to buy a, a mini crib for my daughter at the time and my first day of chemo, I found one on Craigslist, but last thing I felt like doing was running out and picking it up and he went and did it. it. Just, you know, people just pulled together and helped me in this really astounding way. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like the sort of big, big sort of moments were like, you know, being diagnosed and starting chemo and doing surgery and people really showed up for all of that. But, but what was really wonderful was the people who checked in even, you know, even kind of after all the sort of like, you know, I don't want to say glamorous stuff, but like the big stuff had died down yeah. and I was just like feeling really crappy lying on the couch and pe- you know, the people that I still, you know, feel so like fondly towards are the ones that, that, that checked in even then and said, Hey, you know, I was just thinking of you, just wondering how you are. Um, you mentioned, you know, did anyone disappoint me? And yeah, it's, it's funny. I, there were a couple of people that I, that, you know, you just kind of, I, you know, and I don't know how I, I would react if, if, if this happened to one of my friends, but I definitely was a little disappointed by some, some people, I will say it just, you know, and I, you know, I know it can be a lot and it, you know, it's, it's people have their own stuff going on, but you know, there were a couple of people where I was like, Oh, okay. All right. This is how it is. But, mm. but you know, the, the sort of wonderfulness of everybody else made up for it. Holly, I have a question. Um, how, 
you're a manager of a team at Instagram, which I think is being a manager is a whole other challenging aspect of of work in addition to being an employee somewhere. So I'm curious if there's anything that you've kind of learned in terms of relationships with people as a manager of a team. And I'm also curious if you have thoughts about coming back to work or working through um, while dealing with a serious diagnosis, because that's, you know, we talk a lot about maternity leave and coming back to work or working when having kids. But I do think working while also dealing with your health is an area that I don't hear discussed as much. And it's something that people in our country are doing every day. Yeah. So I, um, it was funny. I had, I had taken maternity leave for my second child. Um, and I was just about to go back. So I'd taken six months, which had felt, you know, really good. I was, I was ready to go back. Is that the amount of time you're given through work? Uh, no, we're given four months. Um, and then I had taken, I think I'd taken a month. California is great in that it gives you a month beforehand. So I taken the month beforehand and then four months is, um, what, we get given. And then I had taken an extra month, um, I think just vacation days saved up or something. Um, so I'd had a good six months. I was, you know, I was excited to come back and it was literally the week before I came back that I, um, was diagnosed and I, you know, I, pr- I probably could have worked through it. Actually, I don't think I could have, I mean, you know, I say that I could have, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that I could have. And I said to my oncologist, should I, should I work through chemo? And she said, I, I wouldn't. Um, and so I had to I had to call my manager and say, hey, I know I've been out for the last six months on maternity leave, but I'm going to have to be out, you know. And she was absolutely wonderful about it. My whole team and my whole company were just incredible. Um, you know, and I do, I feel so lucky. I feel like, you know, if, if I had to be diagnosed with this, at least I was diagnosed in 2018 in San Francisco, you know, where modern medicine is, is great. And, you know, working for a company that just was like, yeah, cool. What do you, you know, what do you need? How can we help you? Yeah, that's amazing. That's right. and, yeah. yeah. It just, it just took, so, you know, the sort of stress I felt about, oh God, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been gone for six months and now I'm going to be gone for more. It, I just didn't even, it, just, it wasn't even a thing. And that was because my manager and my team urged me to not make it a thing. They were like, nope, you, you know, just don't worry about this. I don't want this to be a thing that you worry about. You just, you take what you need. You come back when you want to. Um, so I took another eight months um, off and I did chemo for f- five months of that was chemo. And then I did um, surgery and then I had a month of radiation and then I just went back in July. Um, so I, I've been gone all told. I had been gone about 14 months, um, which was, you know, especially at a company like Instagram where everything is moving very quickly. Like I went back and I didn't recognize two thirds of the people and, you know, products existed that hadn't existed when I left and all my information's like 14 months out of date. And I, um, you know, people, people joke about like mom brain, but I think it's actually a thing, but there's also, there's also chemo brain. And, you know, so I have kind of the combination of both, which is, is not great. So I'll be, you know, I'll be in a meeting and I'll be like, you know, so, um, um, and I just won't remember the word, you know, and the word is like chair or something, you know? <laughs> like, like, sit down in that, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the seating that, you know, so, um, people have been very kind and patient with me. Um, my, my manager has been incredible. Um, the, the people that report to me have been wonderful. Um, I co-manage with, um, uh, another guy and he's been great. Everybody has just been so kind and, and so supportive. And I think that, has you know it's just made so much difference i i I, i'm friends with a girl who's worked through her whole um treatment and i just don't know how she could have done it (laughs) you know we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it 
Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Um, Holly, when we were emailing, one of the things that you said you were interested in talking about is cold cap therapy, yeah. which I had never heard yes. of, yes. Um, but I'd love for you to talk about that. Sure. Yeah. I also had never heard of it. Um, and when they told me that I was going to need chemo, the first thing, like literally the first thing I said was, I'm gonna, am I going to lose my hair? And um, the nurse said, you know, there's this, you know, she's sort of very vague about it. There's this new cold cap therapy thing you can do. I think it's more popular in um, in England, actually, and in the rest of Europe. I think it's it's a little newer to America. But um, I kind of started doing some digging um, and I um, found out that I wanted to do it. Um, I, I'm, I'm probably not going to explain it very well, but it's, it's, and I think there are various different companies, but the one I did was Penguin Cold Cap. Um, it's a freezing, 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 like super, 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 super ice cold series of caps. And there are six in all. Um, and you put them on your head during chemo. So you have to start. Um, I had six rounds of chemo um, three weeks apart. So every time I had a round of chemo, it was like a whole day that I was in the doctor's office. Um, you had to, you had to you had to sort of rent these caps and this ice chest, and then you had to. I had this. I was. I became very good friends with this um, dry ice delivery man who would deliver my dry ice every month. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he was wonderful. When I phoned up, you know, like I'm at the beginning of my diagnosis, don't know what I'm doing. I phoned up this dry ice man that somebody's given me the number of, and I said, I, you know, I need this dry ice for cold cap, and he said wow, you are about to start a big adventure. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's 
not how I would have put chemo, but you know, like, okay, yeah, that does sound like an adventure. Um, so yeah, it's the series of cold caps. Um, this woman came to my house, the representative from the company, to train my husband on putting these cold caps on my head. Um, the science behind it is that it, you know, chemo destroys all the bad cancer cells, but it also destroys, um, you know, the cells, your, your hair cells and your, um, it's not very good for skin and stuff. So um, by freezing your, your head, um, I think it keeps the cells i'm really not explaining it very well but it keeps the cells from being destroyed or something <laughs> i probably should have known more about this but um so yeah every time i had chemo um my husband would have to lug this giant cooler you know it looked like we were going camping or something um like we were tailgating in the in the oncology office um he'd lug this this cooler in there um he'd have to strap this freezing cold thing to my head um and then you'd have to switch it out every gosh i can't remember it was like 25 minutes or something so it was a it was like a full day affair of this freezing cold cap on my head um and it was incredibly painful it was it was it was i mean for the first five minutes of each cap it was incredibly painful and then you kind of got used to it but it was kind of like when you go skiing and you're at the top of the mountain and you don't have a hat on and your head just feels mm. frozen mm-hmm. um it wasn't pleasant it was like a it was like a ice cream headache um for the first five minutes and then you'd forget about it obviously but um it it worked is the great thing it it my hair um thinned a lot although apparently i'm the only one who can notice um everyone says that they can't notice it and my my it's really weird my hairline got a lot higher and my um kind of hair broke off at the front and then i got this weird sort of like my sideburn area kind of all broke off and like under my like you know under all my hair broke off so when i've got my hair up in a ponytail it looks like i have one of those like very trendy haircuts like where the sides are shaved (laughs) which, which i don't um but yeah, I mean, and it worked, which which is incredible, and and I was glad about that because I I mean I know it's it's a very personal choice, obviously, whether or not to lose your hair. But I for me it was, I mean, it was about vanity, honestly. Like like some of it was honestly about vanity, um, but I think it was a little bit also about just like wanting to be in control of my own narrative, like wanting you know not wanting to look like a cancer patient and wanting to have the control of telling people if and when I wanted to tell them. Um, and, and mostly I really liked that. Mostly I liked having, being a, you know, not not sort of looking sick. Um, although sometimes, you know, like if I wanted a, a seat on a train, I'd, you know, I'd think, oh, I kind of I kind of wish that I did look a bit sicker because then people would, you know, realize what was, what was going on with me um, more visibly. But uh, yeah, and my hair looked, I mean, I kept it, but it, it looked terrible most of the time because you have to, you basically have to baby it you can't wash it more than once or twice a week you know i get very excited about the, the days that i could wash it um you can't blow dry it um so you're like okay great i can use dry shampoo nope you can't use dry shampoo because you can't use any products um you think okay great i can wear a hat nope you can't wear a hat because um, you can't you can't have any heat on it so um you kind of just have to have like five months of bad hair days honestly wow um but it worked yeah it worked and and cold cap therapy is is not something covered by insurance, right? Like that's an out of pocket no, cost that no, you have yes. to decide I if had you can to afford. Pay. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I think in the end the whole thing cost it was about two thousand dollars, maybe twenty five hundred. I am trying to I think there are ways that you can potentially get it covered and there's a a social worker in my oncology office who's who's helping me figure out if um insurance will will um cover some of it. But it, you know, it was, to me, it was money very well spent. And that's, that's something I've had a few friends who have done cold cap therapy 
while also going through um, chemo for breast cancer, but I had never heard about it until, you know, that was maybe a couple of years ago was the first time I had heard about it. So thank you for yeah, sharing that. Yeah, of course. I think it's great. I think it just, honestly, it was just one, if, it was one more thing that I didn't have to lose. And if I could control not losing it, that, you know, like I felt like I, you know, I had to stop breastfeeding my baby because I was going through chemo. So, you know, there was that loss. There was obviously the giant loss of, you know, any semblance of normalcy. And so that was another loss. You know, they're just like loss upon loss upon loss. And I thought, and I didn't know at that point, you know, whether I would have to have a mastectomy and lose my breasts or if I would just have a lumpectomy. And thank goodness I ended up being able to um, to have a lumpectomy. But, you know, I didn't know at that point if I would, you know, if that would be another loss. So being able to keep my hair and being able to have that control and have it, have it be one less thing I lost was, was really important to me. Um. Holly, what advice would you give someone who is faced with a new cancer diagnosis? And also, what advice would you give someone um, if someone close to them is diagnosed? Yeah, I think um, I think with a new cancer diagnosis, I, I mean, I don't think there's anything I could say that would that makes it not the most terrifying thing in the world. You know, because it just it just is, and and you just sort of have to sit with that. And it was it was hard for me to actually sit with that and and realize like, oh, this is a terrible thing that you know this this could be awful. Um, and I I think what what I tried to do is I just kind of tried to see it as like fascinating. Like yeah, it's terrible, it's awful. I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. I've got two little kids. You know, like it's it's awful. But I tried to kind of like subvert that and think, but oh, this is such a interesting experience this is, this is going to make me a more interesting person you know <laughs> like it's it's I, I kind of said the same thing about when i tried skydiving or like when i tried um what's that wagyu beef i was like oh i don't you know glad i did this don't need to do it again but it was an interesting experience and i kind of felt like that about cancer too like it's you know it obviously it's terrible but it, you know I, I see myself as really lucky as well and i think you know, it's it's hard for somebody else to say to you, oh, just try and have a positive mental attitude about it. And and I didn't, you know, nobody said that to me, thank goodness, because I probably would have, you know, clocked them around the face. But um, I think as much as you can, just I sort of tried to detach myself from it, you know, and, and just think like, God, I'm so lucky. You know, it, it could have been so much worse. I'm so lucky that I had that doctor's appointment and, and they found it relatively early. I'm so lucky that, um, you know, it was it was me and not one of my children, which I, I think would have been awful. And, it, I, you know, I just kind of tried to think like, this is just, you know, this makes me part of a larger thing that happens in humanity. And, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, it just kind of gives me a more interesting perspective on things. Um and then in terms of what advice I would give for, what did you say what advice you'd give for people who are, who, whose friends and family have been diagnosed? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it was, it was really important for me not to be pitied. Like I didn't want anyone to be like, oh, poor Holly. Oh, did you hear? You know, I, I. I, you know, I said that thing about sort of wanting to be in control of my own narrative with, with the cold cap, but, but I think that applies actually to my larger experience too. Like I, I didn't want it to be a secret. I didn't, you know, I wanted, I wanted people to sort of know about it and like to be able to talk about it. And so I would say that, you know, if, if someone you love has been diagnosed, don't be afraid to, to talk to them about it. It was always so refreshing to me when people would, you know, check in with me and, and just like ask me questions because, you know, it is this like crazy thing that's happening and it is kind of interesting and there are like funny light moments to it and when people would ask me about it I would be able to talk about that and it, and it would not feel so you know it made me feel less 
different, you know, just to just to kind of be able to be really open about it and and to have people um, ask about it. Um, and then what else? I mean, I think I just one thing about having cancer is that you get so many amazing presents from people. People just like, <laughs> it's just like my doorbell would ring every day, and like the UPS man would be here with something else wonderful that like some amazing person had sent me. Um, and I think so. The absolute best thing anybody ever gave me was um i mean everything was wonderful but i had a friend who sent me these like shockingly expensive cashmere socks which i never i never would have bought myself cashmere socks but i wore them to every single chemo treatment and they just and you know and i also bought myself some cashmere pants and then i had a cashmere i sort of like swathed my is that how you swathed swathed? anyway swathed swathed, yeah i draped draped myself (laughs) in cashmere i just wanted to be in soft clothes all the time so you know if you're feeling like you want to buy something for somebody going through treatment something very 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 soft is always um it's always very very much appreciated (laughs) coziness yeah yes coziness yeah um it's interesting because this interview coincidentally will will air near um or in breast cancer awareness month in october right um and i'm i'm curious has your awareness yourself changed like what do you hope for for women listening to this to understand about the experience of um, a breast cancer diagnosis? Because I think we get swept up, especially in this kind of month or any sort of awareness month of like pink stuff. And, you know, it's, th- there, there's a dialogue about it, but oftentimes, you know, we aren't, we aren't really dealing with the nitty gritty, if that makes does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no. It's it's funny you say that about um, breast cancer awareness month coming up. I'm kind of I'm kind of dreading it because I'm like I'm I'm very aware of my breast cancer. Thank you. <laughs> I don't need to be made more aware of it. <laughs> for a whole month. <laughs> yeah, it's I like, know. Oh. It's also it's going to coincide with my um with my with my one year diagnosis, and that was all happening right around Halloween. So I'm finding it very whenever I see like pumpkins and stuff at the moment, I'm finding it very. I'm going to sound very millennial, but I'm finding it very triggering because yes. like, yeah. it's kind of bringing, you know, it's kind of bringing everything, um, everything back. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to admit before I was diagnosed, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly aware about breast cancer. I think I had, you know, you know, probably bought pink things in support or, you know, I, I know I had done the, um, the Susan G. Komen walk at some point. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't, you know, I, I think because they don't even suggest that you get mammograms until you're 40. And I was 37 when I was diagnosed. So I'd never even had one. So, you know, I just, it wasn't something that I thought about. Um, so, I mean, the funny thing is that I'm finding now is that I'm, I'm meeting so many people or, you know, not even, not even the actual people, but people who've had a friend or a sister or, you know, a coworker or somebody who, who has been diagnosed with breast cancer young. And it's, it's just kind of interesting how, um, I don't know, you know, once this happens to you, you you realize how many other people it's happened to as well. And that can kind of make you feel less alone, I think. Um, I feel like I didn't answer your question properly. (laughs) No, I think that's that I'm I'm, I think that's great. I mean, I, I do think, you know, it's we talk a lot on the podcast about advocating for our own health with doctors and and getting to know our bodies a little bit better, but it still can feel very overwhelming. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and a little bit like something you haven't, or not you, one me, or has you know haven't thought about until it actually, you know, hits closer to home. Totally, I'm rambling have, a little bit here, but no, I think I know what you're saying. I think I think I was incredibly lucky that I happened to have this doctor's appointment and brought up the lump because I know very well if I had not had this doctor's appointment, I would have thought, eh, 
you know, I'm mm. breastfeeding, it's a clogged duct, mm-hmm. it's mastitis, it's not, it's not a big deal. And I think just that I happen to have this appointment and thank goodness my doctor, she's my, um, my OB, uh, OB-GYN who, you know, had seen through all my, both my pregnancies, so I knew her very well. Thank goodness she said, oh, let's just, you know, send you. And so I think, I know a lot of doctors, I heard, I've heard countless stories of, you know, women who have had lumps, particularly, I'm in a, a Facebook group of women who were diagnosed when they were, um, when they were pregnant or breastfeeding. Mm. Um, and so many women, you know, were diagnosed and then doctors just said, eh, you know, let's just watch and wait. And then, you know, breast cancer, particularly the type I had is, is, um, you know, can be very aggressive and, you know, in a few months, even something can go from, from, from stage one to stage three. So I, w- I was lucky that mine, um, was just on the cusp of stage, um, it was, it was stage one, almost stage two, but it, but they technically classed it as stage one, um, and, and it hadn't got to my lymph nodes yet, which was great, which is, I think, the reason that the chemo worked so well and that I you know, have a very good pro- good prognosis now. But I do know so many women that were kind of just told, eh, you know, let's just watch and wait. And, you know, like months or in, in some cases even a year went by and then it got so big. And by the time that they were taken seriously, it it, you know, it was so much worse than it could have been. So I, I will say, you know, advocate for yourself as much as you possibly can. And don't be afraid to, you know, to be seen as coming across as, as crazy or hysterical or, you know, I, I, I've sort of like thrown all caution to the wind in that arena. I'm, I'm, I've probably gone the wrong way and I'm like too much of a hypochondriac now, but every time I have some symptom, I'm straight on the phone to my oncologist, you know, can you look at this? Can you do this? Can you, and like, you know, every every time since then, thank goodness, it has been nothing. But I think getting that diagnosis the first time, you now realize like, oh, yeah, it, it is possible for it to be the bad thing. You know, yeah. you think it's not going to be, but, you know, and, and you know, I don't want to worry anybody because probably 99% of the time it's not the bad thing. But but don't be afraid of of kind of making a fuss and, 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 and making sure somebody looks at something that you're worried about. Great. That's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Holly, this has been so wonderful to get to talk to you. We Thank could, you. could go on and on. Yeah. Where yeah. where can our listeners see you on the internet besides through the work you're providing us at Instagram, making it so cool for all of us? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have a kind of a, a rudimentary website that I forced my husband to put up for me. It's um, just hollyburns.com. And then I'm on Instagram as nothing but bonfires, which is the name of my uh, now defunct blog. Thanks again, Holly. Thanks, guys. It was great to talk to you. It was great to talk to you as well. So, Kate, last week you were going to examine your relationship to food and self-love. How did that go? You know, it's been interesting. I'll tell you, I don't love tracking my food because I feel like it often... Um, results in me restricting. This is the conclusion I came to about tracking. But I have been tracking my food. And? And I'm not doing it with the intent, intent of like calorie counting. Okay. I'm just doing it to like more see what my patterns are. Oh, okay. um, because I do. That is a kinder way to think about it. You know, well, because as I'm reevaluating and thinking about food, exercise, all these things, you know, and I'm, I've been talking about wanting to get jacked or ripped. Um, I'm thinking about food as, as I mentioned last week, um, fuel and also like a delicious joy. So when I, when you put a number on it, it takes, it takes away like the pleasure, it takes away the joy. So anyway, it's been interesting to see like, when am I like, also when am I eating because like I'm hungry and I want to experience something delicious or when am I eating? Cause like I'm stressed 
and pretzels help. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm just kind of, I'm trying to track without judgment. We'll see how that goes. I might need to stop if it doesn't remain a positive experience, but right now it's been really positive. And I also am not, um, I'm not restricting myself, um, in terms of like no carbs, no dairy. Okay. I'm not doing that. Um, which is something I've done in the past. Yeah. So I'm trying to embrace all, I don't have food allergies. I understand why if someone does, that they would do that. But for me, I don't. And so I'm trying to have a loving relationship with all food. And I'm choosing the word loving as opposed to healthy relationship. Mm. I don't know why it just feels like a better, better fit for what I'm going for. And maybe, you know, I don't, maybe someone else can connect that a loving relationship with food. So yes, it's going well. It's going okay. How has it been coming to a resolution about your house and if you're staying here. Well, it's funny. I was actually listening to, I was I was going through last week's episode to do the edits mm-hmm, yesterday mm-hmm. and I was doing it in the dining room and Matt came home as I was listening and he heard the part of the episode where I was talking about the lease <laughs> and we were like, he was sitting in his office, I was sitting in the dining room, we were kind of like making eye contact and like everything I said, he was like, Hmm. Yeah. Like he, you know, especially when I said that the part about, um, how our feelings about the house have changed. Like I went from hating the house to kind of liking it or at least being okay with it. And he went from kind of liking it to hating it. Yeah. Um, and we, I don't know, we still haven't like actually spoken to the landlord. Um, but we are like we're paying next month's rent so you're sticking around we're sticking around for a little bit we got a lot we actually got a lot we talked about this on um excellent adventure and we heard from a lot of people who were like don't move and what was the reason was it all the same reason it was it was um part of it was like with a new like you don't want to move with a newborn no um and also like someone was like if you are going to move do it like do it two months before you think you need to do it because this woman had gone into labor early oh gosh and so you know they thought they were moving in with plenty of time before the baby came and then of course it turned out that they hadn't um and so you know between that and the money um I think we are leaning more towards making this house work. I also personally think you guys have been, you both have been through so much stress. Yes. And now you are newly pregnant. Yes. Why add to that? Exactly. If you can make this situation work in a positive way, why moving is one of like the most traumatizing, challenging things a person can do. I completely agree. So, um, so yeah, so that's sort of, we, we sort of like, haven't like officially landed on it, but we've kind of landed on it. Um, and I think Matt has also come around from, he had this notion that, that we were going to do like renovations uh, of the house, like on our own dime. And I was like, I don't think so. Like I would paint, I would pay to paint, but even that is like, I don't know if I feel like doing that. Like, is it worth it? Eh. Um, so yeah, so I feel like we've, we've like pretty much resolved it. And what's your focus for this week? Well, mm. last week we spoke to Dr. Christian, Kristen. Um, and one thing she said, I mean, she said a lot of things that really stuck with me. Me too. But one of the things she said was that she has a gratitude practice with her fiance. I love this. And I was like, 
wow, like that had never even occurred to me. Nope. Me neither. And so today when Matt and I were walking Bo this morning, I said to him, you know, our guest last week has a gratitude practice that she does with her fiance. And Matt said, I heard that part when you were playing the episode. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then I was like, I was thinking... She was like, I was like, she does three things she's grateful for with her fiance every day. I was like, I was thinking we could do one. And what did he say? He said he was grateful for me and for Bo, <laughs> which is like a very, like very nice thing. I think we will eventually get more specific. I said I was grateful that we had seen our son on the ultrasound. Oh my God, I've never heard you call him your son before, but that makes me weepy. I mean, um, so what a great, but he didn't like, practice. I was, I didn't know how he would react. You know, I wasn't sure if he was going to be like, that's dumb. Um, but he was immediately like down with it. And I, it reminded me that every time something like this has come up, like something sort of in the self-care realm for the both of us, he has been open to it. He's always a very, in my experience, open-minded, judgment-free person. Yeah. And so I was like... Okay. And like, you know, we have been walking Bo together in the mornings. Like it's a good time for us to sort of connect. Um, and I, I was like, oh, this will be a nice thing for us to do together. So anyway, that we started it today. And so my intention is, um, to keep doing it. I'm going to, I'm going to post that question to my partner. Oh my gosh. Do it. I hope he says me. Uh, what's your intention this week? Well, as previously mentioned, speaking of my husband, I got to get my bathroom organized. Mm-hmm. I got to get my whole freaking life organized, but I do we can start with the bathroom. Yes. Because I, I do understand the challenge of when someone else's clutter is like infringing on your own well being, which yeah. is what I am doing to my husband. Yes. So, and it's making me stressed out. Yeah. So I'm going to get in there. Oh, you're going to get in there. I'm going to get in there. You know, I didn't mention this earlier, but I bought a squatty potty. Oh, okay. This is this is not necessarily an intention. I mean, I'm going to use it. That's my intention. But have I added to the clutter of the bathroom with the squatty potty? Will the squatty potty pay off? Only time will tell. Only time will. (laughs) Only time will tell, (laughs) and only I will tell you on this (laughs) podcast. Um, I can't wait. But no, I I think I need to at least get one small space organized and that seems like a good place to start so i will report back and i will share photos because i took photos this morning after he said this to me because i was laughing so hard at his one little bottle of soap and my endless products so i'll share it all on the gram as i like to do yeah on that note everyone brings this episode to an end thank you all so much for being here with us on this journey Dory, thank you for being here as a friend. Kate, thank you for coming to my house and accommodating my needs as I've been nauseous. You know, that's one way I can step up for you as your friend. Uh, if we had a gratitude practice together, I would say I am grateful Wait for that. Wait a second. That. Dory. Do we need a gratitude we practice? have a podcast gratitude practice? We could. Oh, my God. Let's start next week's episode by saying one thing we're grateful for. Okay, let's do it. Oh my God, why have we not done this? I don't know. You know, I joined the Forever 35 Gratitude Facebook group. I'm not in that. I it's get really in that. powerful. Okay, I'm going to join. Yeah, I didn't even it's know really there was nice. one, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
I part of my self care is not looking at Facebook too much. I yeah, say. I get so, that. Sorry about that. Um, no, but I'm very grateful. Kate has been very accommodating of my desire to not be in the car too much as a nauseous person, um, and so she's been coming to my house or to the studio that is closer to my house. Um, and I'm extremely grateful to well, her Dory, for that. I'm grateful that when I was having a spiraling meltdown about mistakes I made, you didn't make me feel bad about it or about the mistakes I had, or like my little tiny fuck ups. I honestly don't even remember <laughs> well, what you're talking about. I was really <laughs> in a spiral. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, I'm really glad Dory didn't, um, like didn't let, was not affected by my fuck ups because I was already so mad at myself. Aww. So you know what? We well, did I'm it. glad I was able to do that for you. Oh, I love the idea of just any, we can just share any gratitude. Yeah, let's do week. it. Okay. We'll open with a gratitude practice and we'll end with intention. This is becoming, oh, jeez. <laughs> Should we talk about serums next week too? Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll bring it back around to that topic. Yeah. Well, friends, Thank you again. Listen, if you want to call us at 781-591-0390 and you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. You can join the aforementioned Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast and join our myriad spinoffs, including the Forever 35 Gratitude group. Um, and if you really like the show, it would be awesome if you left us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show and it lets people know that people like the show and also tell a friend. And you can always find products or things we mention on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. And we're at Dory and at Kate Spencer on those apps as well. And Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dory Shafrir, and you, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. And we will talk to you next week. 